Welcome to the King's Word Bible Study. I'm your host, Brother Vinny Fitzgerald, and today we're going to delve into the Bible to bring you insight from God's Word that will help you to grow and develop into spiritual maturity. These lessons are designed to help guide you and strengthen you in your relationship with the Lord. Whether you've never opened the Bible or have read it cover to cover, this podcast will inform and uplift you. Our purpose is not only for you to know and to understand the King's Word, but for you to live it out in your day-to-day life. Philippians 4 and 9 tells us, Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. Today our topic is going to be having the right attitude. Let's begin in Psalms chapter 143. This is a Psalm of David. In the first verse, it says, Hear my prayer, O Lord, give ear to my supplications. In thy faithfulness answer me, and in thy righteousness, and enter not into judgment with thy servant. For in thy sight shall no man living be justified. For the enemy hath persecuted my soul. He hath smitten my life down to the ground. He hath made me to dwell in darkness as those that have been long dead. Therefore is my spirit overwhelmed within me. My heart within me is desolate. I remember the days of old. I meditate on all thy works. I muse on the work of thy hands. I stretch forth my hands unto thee. My soul thirsteth after thee as a thirsty land. Selah. Hear me speedily, O Lord. My spirit faileth. Hide not thy face from me, lest I be like unto them that go down into the pit. Cause me to hear thy loving kindness in the morning, for in thee do I trust. Cause me to know the way wherein I shall walk, for I lift up my soul unto thee. Deliver me, O Lord, from mine enemies. I flee unto thee to hide me. Teach me to do thy will, for thou art my God. Thy spirit is good. Lead me into the land of uprightness. Quicken me, O Lord, for thy name's sake. For thy righteousness' sake, bring my soul out of trouble. And of thy mercy, cut off mine enemies, and destroy all them that afflict my soul, for I am thy servant. Now in verse 4, it says, Therefore is my spirit overwhelmed within me. Like David, many people, including Christians, are overwhelmed today. Overwhelm is a verb, meaning to bury or drown beneath a huge mass, to defeat completely. Today, people are overwhelmed by fear, by discouragement, by misery, disillusionment, and uncertainty, and they need an answer from God. They are being buried and drowned by all the different pressures that they are experiencing, and they need deliverance. We need to overcome these pressures and the overwhelm that the enemy is trying to place on us. In this psalm, God shows us what we need to do to overcome the pressure. First, we find in verse 8, Cause me to know the way wherein I should walk, for I lift up my soul unto thee. Now our soul is our attitude, because it's our mind, will, and emotions. Isaiah chapter 55 and verse 9 says, For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. We need to lift up our attitude unto God, 
so that it will be in accordance with his word and his will for our lives. In verse 3, David said, For the enemy hath persecuted my soul. He has smitten my life down to the ground. He hath made me to dwell in darkness. All of this could have led to David having an attitude of bitterness and anger. But instead, he lifted up his attitude unto God. And in doing so, God gave him an attitude of hope and joy in the midst of the overwhelming pressure that he was enduring. God is calling us today to lift up our attitude unto God. We need to ask ourselves today, if we are going on into life with an attitude of bitterness, fear, and anger, or an attitude of hope and joy and peace, the choice is up to us. No one else can make this choice for us. God has given each of us a free will, and we need to today make the choice. What attitude are we going to have operating in our lives? What attitude are we going to live with? When we lift up ourselves, it prepares us to lift up others. We need to first have the right attitude ourselves before we can lift up others. Our attitude is important. It has a real impact on others. We need to make sure that we don't have one attitude in public and another when we're alone. A lot of people put on smiles in public, but those smiles only mask a bitter, miserable heart. People have an eye for superficiality. They easily see through false attitudes. Psalm 55 verse 21 says, The words of his mouth were smoother than butter, but war was in his heart. His words were softer than oil, yet were they drawn swords. Having two attitudes simultaneously also hurts ourselves, because we begin to lose ourselves in the mix and in the midst of the contradictions that two warring attitudes naturally produce within us. James 1 and 8 tells us a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. The right attitude that we keep consistent in public and private breeds stability because God is not the author of confusion. It's when we try to have a false attitude and put on a show for others that instability creeps into our life. We need an attitude that comes from our heart, not one that is only surface deep. That won't help ourselves or anyone else. We can't fool God. We need to be true to ourselves and be who God called us to be if we are to be productive and make any difference in this world and in the kingdom of God. What type of attitude do we have when we're by ourselves? What type of attitude do we have in front of others? What type of attitude do we have when we talk to God? These are questions that we need to ask ourselves. It may not seem like it, but our attitude is important no matter where we are or who we're with. We must keep a consistent attitude. If we have two warring attitudes operating in our lives at the same time, the worst one will come out at the worst time and will contradict everything your better one made people think. People take notice of your attitude and it impacts them in ways that even they don't realize. Joy and hope are contagious, which is why our attitude is so important. Our attitude can help lead others to Christ or away from Christ. Many souls haven't come to Christ because they're around miserable Christians. Mahatma Gandhi grew up in India near a Christian community and closely interacted with the Christians that he knew, but he never fully came to Christ. He once said, if all Christians acted like Christ, the whole world would be Christian. He also said, I like your Christ, I do not like your Christians. 
your Christians are so unlike your Christ. Then Mother Teresa, speaking about Gandhi, said Gandhi felt fascinated at knowing Christ. Then he met Christians, and he felt let down. This is the difference having the right attitude can make. It can either lift people up, or it can let them down. What do you want to do? We can either bring our attitude down to the level of the world, or lift it up to God. The choice is ours to make. It is daily presented to us. It's always easy to blame the devil as the reason why people around us don't come to Christ, and many times this is the case. But sometimes the reason is us. In Psalm 143, we see David's soul being cast down first, followed by his decision to lift up his soul to God. This process that we see David going through here is a manifestation of a larger pattern that we find throughout Scripture. The pattern is casting down, followed by lifting up, followed by healing and restoration. Job 22 and 29 says, When men are cast down, then thou shalt say, There is lifting up, and he shall save the humble person. We are at a time in history where people are being cast down. The Washington Post reported that last year, one-third of Americans showed signs of depression and anxiety. These people are being cast down and oppressed by the devil. To this day, many people are still out of work and can't find jobs. People can't pay their bills and keep the lights on at their houses. These people are being cast down. It's because of all this casting down that we see around us that we know that the time of lifting up is coming. The enemy is right now trying to cast down our nation. And in the natural, it may seem like he is succeeding for now, but God is about to lift it back up, and it will be greater than ever before. The devil is also trying to do the same to the church all over the world. But God is going to revive us and lift us back up, and it will be greater than anything we've ever seen before. Anytime the devil tries to cast down, God then lifts up. And if there ever was a time when people needed to be lifted up, that time is now. We need to know God's word and stand on the promise that the lifting up is coming, even if we can't foresee how. If we trust and stay faithful, we will see his word come to pass, and he will use us to be a part of the lifting up. In Acts chapter 3 and verse 7, Peter was with the lame man who was laid daily at the gate beautiful of the temple. When it says, And he took him by the right hand, and then lifted him up, and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. This man was cast down by his infirmity. Then Peter lifted him up, and he was healed. The man first had to be lifted up before he could be healed. Peter used the lifting up as his point of contact, where he released his faith. This was true both spiritually and physically. Before people, before our nation, and before the church, can be healed and restored, they first need to be lifted up. Like Peter, it's our job to lift up those around us. People in our world today need some encouragement. They need some inspiration. There's more than enough negativity and hatred already daily confronting us in the world. We must beware, though, against unchecked optimism, because that's not the answer either. There's an academic principle called the Stockdale Principle, which says, we must be realistic about the challenges that we face, but we must never lose hope that in the end we will prevail. This is the type of optimism that we need. We need to be realistic, but still have positivity and hope rooted in the Word of God. 
Peter had to reach out to pull the man up. And likewise, we need to reach out to people so that we can lift them up. Reaching out is an action, and it requires effort on our part. It's not easy to reach out. Like we find in the parable of the Good Samaritan, it's easy to pass by and not help. The world does nothing when people are cast down. They pass by and avoid them because it's not convenient to help. This is where we come in as the people of God, the restraining force in the world. We are commanded by God, like the Good Samaritan, to reach out to those around us who are cast down, and it all starts with having the right attitude. The Good Samaritan answered the call of God. He had the right attitude. And because of that, God was able to use him as a vessel to bring lifting up to someone who the devil had cast down. Peter likewise had an attitude of joy that prompted him to reach out to the lame man at the gate. When Peter lifted the man up, he immediately received strength. In a similar way, when we reach out and do our best to lift up others, God will do the rest and will immediately give them strength through the power of his spirit. This is never because of anything that we do ourselves. It is always purely a work of the Holy Spirit in the lives of others. Like Peter, our attempt to lift people up is our point of contact, where we release our faith, and then we trust that God will do the rest. Let's go to the book of Numbers in chapter 21. In Numbers chapter 21, starting in the fifth verse, it says, And the people spake against God and against Moses. Wherefore have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? For there is no bread, neither is there any water, and our soul loatheth this light bread. And the Lord sent fiery serpents among the people, and they bit the people, and much people of Israel died. Therefore the people came to Moses and said, We have sinned, for we have spoken against the Lord and against thee. Pray unto the Lord that he take away the serpents from us. And Moses prayed for the people. And the Lord said unto Moses, Make thee a fiery serpent, and set it upon a pole. And it shall come to pass, that every one that is bidden, when he looketh upon it, shall live. And Moses made a serpent of brass, and put it upon a pole. And it came to pass, that if a serpent had bidden any man, when he beheld the serpent of brass, he lived. Now, we have to note that whoever looked at the serpent was instantly healed. So we see here another manifestation of this scriptural pattern. If we want to see real healing in our time, there must first be a lifting up. Any true spiritual healing, like salvation, must first be preceded by true repentance. The Israelites repented before they saw healing come to their people. Repentance is crucial, but it is becoming more and more rare because Christians don't talk about it. It's an uncomfortable topic to bring up, so many Christians just ignore it altogether. Repentance is essential to salvation. When people repent, it changes their attitude and prepares them to accept Christ as their Lord and Savior. We need to lift up others like Moses lifted up the serpent, so people will see their need to repent and see their need for a Savior. It is in this way that people will receive spiritual healing and be delivered. John chapter 3, verses 14 and 15 say, And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Like Moses lifted up the serpent, 
we must also lift up Jesus. When we lift up Jesus, people will be healed, delivered, and saved. In Numbers, it said that whoever looked at the serpent would live. When we lift up Jesus by the way we live our lives, by our praise and worship, and by our right attitude, people will come to him. And because of this, they will not only live here on earth, but they will also gain the promise of eternal life. When we lift up Jesus, we will see real change occur in people's lives, real change for the better, and any human heart is impossible without the working of the Holy Spirit in their lives, which is what occurs when we make that choice to lift up Jesus. There are three musts in the Bible. The first is you must be born again. The second is that you must worship him in spirit and in truth. And the third is that you must lift up Jesus. We must lift up Jesus. This is a direct command. It's not a suggestion and it's not optional. We must do it. Let's go to the book of John chapter 12. In John chapter 12, in verse 31, it says, Now is the judgment of this world. Now shall the prince of this world be cast out. And I, if I be lifted up from the earth, will draw all men unto me. This he said, signifying what death he should die. The people answered him, We have heard out of the law that Christ abideth forever. And how sayest thou, The Son of Man must be lifted up? Who is this Son of Man? The greatest miracle and example of spiritual healing is salvation, by which we are restored to God, and the spiritual disease of our fallen nature that we are born into is healed, and we are reconciled to God. We should desire to see others experience salvation when we lift them up. We have this great promise from God that when we do lift up Jesus, he will draw all men unto himself. If we want to see healing, if we want to see deliverance and salvation and all of these great things, we need to lift up our attitude to God. We need to reach out and lift up others. And most importantly, we need to lift up Jesus. Right now, we are in the heat of the battle of the spiritual warfare that we are all a part of. It's easy to become overwhelmed by all the pressures around us, but we can't succumb to them. We need to overcome. And having the right attitude can make a greater difference than we could ever imagine. On New Year's Eve of 1776, after the crossing of the Delaware and a victory at the Battle of Trenton, George Washington's soldiers and enlistments were set to end. By this time, the men were worn out and overwhelmed, but Washington needed them to go on. He said to them, My brave fellows, you have done all that I have asked you to do, and more than can be reasonably expected. But your country is at stake, your wives, your houses, and all that you hold dear. You have worn yourselves out with fatigues and hardships. But we know not how to spare you if you will consent to stay one month longer. You will render that service to the cause of liberty and to your country, which you probably can never do under any other circumstances. After hearing this, the men stayed, and over the course of the war they went on to win the revolution, which is why we are able to be here today. Washington lifted up his men, and they changed their attitudes. It's amazing the difference that it can make when we decide to lift up our attitude unto God. In the spiritual war that we're in, we have the chance to render a service to the kingdom of God that we may never have again under any other circumstance. It's unique to our time. 
and it's unique to us as individuals. God's call to each of us is different and unique and special. We have the chance to lift up others, lift up Jesus, and lift up our souls to God. This is how we will win the war. We can't succumb to the overwhelming pressure surrounding us. As soldiers in the army of the Lord, God needs us to go on. We need to make that decision today, to lift up our soul, our attitude to God. We need the attitude of hope and joy and peace rooted in the Word of God. If we do this, we will be surprised at the difference that it makes, both in our lives and in the lives of those around us. The right attitude spreads, and we need the right attitude if we are to make it through the days ahead. Let's close in prayer. Lord, we thank you for your word and for revelation from your word. Lord, help us to have the right attitude. Help us to reach out and to lift others up. Give us the wisdom and the strength to know when those opportunities are presented and what to do once we have them, Lord God. We want to see deliverance. We want to see healing and salvation in our time, in our land, and for the church of Christ all around the world, Lord God. Use us as your vessels to bring that healing, to usher it in, Lord God. We desire to see that happen in our time. We know that you have given us a unique and a special calling for this unique time in history. And we thank you, Lord, that you have given us your word and your power to execute the will of God in this time. We thank you, Lord. We give you all the honor and the glory and the praise. And we worship you. In Jesus' name, amen. If you want to have the right attitude and lift up your soul to God, and if you want to have Jesus as a part of your life today, all you need to do is to invite Jesus into your heart to be your personal Lord and Savior. You then need to repent of your sins and ask for his forgiveness. Then you trust that you've been forgiven and you ask for his free gift of eternal life. If you've prayed this from a sincere heart and you truly meant it, then you are now a part of the family of God. Welcome to God's family. We want to thank everybody for listening. We appreciate you taking out your time to spend with us today. And if you would like to give us feedback and tell us how much you appreciate this show, you can contact us at kingswordbiblestudy at gmail.com. And if you would like to learn more about this program and this ministry, you can visit kingswordbible.com. God bless you. We want you to know that we love you all, and we will see you next week as we continue to study the King's Word together.